The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. They make coffee brewers. Ever heard of them? If you haven't, you should. They're an awesome family-owned company. They're here in California. They power their facility with solar power, which I hear that's like a new hot thing that progressive people do. The best thing about Curtis, in my humble opinion, is the turnaround time on the brewers. They have a 24-hour turnaround. It's phenomenal. If you've ever ordered a brewer for a wholesale client from someone else and waited and waited and waited for it to come in, you know how frustrating that is. So being able to get the brewer next day like that is absolutely amazing. Shout out to you, Wilbur Curtis. Their customer service is phenomenal. And they just care. They care about you. They care about me. And I care about them. And that's why Cat Cloud Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. On with the show. Bagel. 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 Cream cheese bagel. Bagel. Everything on it. (laughs) Dried onions and poppy seeds. Panda, 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 panda. (laughs) Panda, 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 panda. I got bagels in Atlanta. (laughs) I got bagels in Atlanta. I got bagels in Atlanta. (laughs) Just in the meantime. That's part two. Legacy. I love that song. Legacy. Great book. Legacy. Legacy. James Kerr. Kerr. That's a freebie for y'all. Get that book. Read about it. Steve Kerr. No, Steve Kerr also has made himself a legacy by winning himself and then winning with a team as a coach. He's twice. a two-time winner. Three-time. Three-time winner. Well, two-time I mean, coach uh, winner. Two uh, um, coaching wins. Winning in two different, what do you oh, say? Yeah. Like, uh, stratospheres. Player coach Player winner. coach. PC. He's a PC winner. Hey, want- yeah. what's up, Chappy? <laughs> hey. Welcome to the podcast. Friday. My cat's got her belly shaved because she had surgery. Kidney stones are gone, though. There's a whole lot of cat belly hanging around the living room. There's a lot of cat belly hanging around everywhere. What's up, Max? You look fat and weird. Well, she is inoculated. That's not the <laughs> word. <laughs> <laughs> she was inoculated. She's inoculated. Now she's inebriated. Went to New York Coffee Festival. Yeah, shout out to Breville for taking you. Dude, it was crazy. And so Mark. Mark. Mark killed it. Yes, he I'm did. Editing the video for it right now, and there's all these hilarious shots of Mark just being the super best. friendly. <laughs> <laughs> we have one of the most friendly human beings times 33 on our staff, but Mark is up there on the top of the top. He the, is very friendly. Is the one where he's pouring the latte and he looks like a bobblehead. Yeah, he's all hi. He's all, oh, hi, oh, hi. Yeah. Oh, I've connected on? with six people while pouring latte art. I've never been to that thing before and it's uh, it's different than SCA. Yeah. It's a lot different than SCA. And it was part of Coffee Masters? The Coffee Masters is there. So okay. the show was on the bottom floor. So it's kind of like, it looks like a traditional show floor, but it's mostly a mix of home equipment and um like coffee roasters so right. there's like a bunch of local coffee roasters there's some of the same like cup suppliers like we sell french presses and blah 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 right but like all the espresso stuff's like home focus so okay. like the breville booth is obviously all home equipment because that's what they do but even the Lamarzoco booth is all linea minis okay it's all home like user interface stuff and the people that come to see it are just random ass people which was kind of cool. They're people who make coffee at home, home baristas, coffee enthusiasts, but don't know anything about the professional side of the industry. Do you feel like there's more home baristas that are interested there than you've seen here and on the west side of the I'm, US or is it just different? I was impressed by the amount of people that were there. I couldn't tell because there's never been an event like that here. Right. So That's a good point. 
you got like really dense population and people coming out of the woodworks. So I think you could host an event like that in San Francisco and there's probably a decent amount Makes sense. of people who would come out to do it. But there's all levels. There's like people who just make lattes at home with their super auto machine and they just know that they like coffee. They're like, I don't know. I just want the foam to be nice and right. I make my own latte. Or there's people who are like the full-blown geeks who want to learn about extraction and PID, the whole thing yeah, and PID, all that. Conical versus flat, which grinder do I use? A lot of people who have like a thousand dollar machine and want to upgrade to maybe a two or a $5,000 machine and want to have that conversation. Okay. So it's pretty sick. Yeah. Did you get to see the coffee masters at all? A little bit. Okay. Yeah. It's super interesting. Right. I, the, the layout is, it's a lot cooler cause it's kind of like this big long station and it's physically closer. You're physically closer to the crowd. That's good. Which is kind of nice. And it's there's this two-sided bar there. And there's even part of it where you serve the crowd coffee. They have a, a batch brew that you can make and serve your coffee to the crowd. Also rad. It's also rad. And then there's, you know, there's it's multidisciplinary. So there's a cupping round where you cup coffees, then they blindfold you and mix the coffees up. And you have to match up the origins of the coffee to that coffee like oh, oh yeah fun. this is guatemala this is colombia whatever and you know then there's a latte art specific portion of it where they use the latte art dice and nice. so you don't know what you're going to get rolled on yeah basically and the idea is to you should know how to do all of these things you're a master because you're a master yeah it's not just i'm the best barista right or whatever it's like oh yeah i can do this yeah i can pour a freaking phoenix double wing yeah, swan, swan thing yeah like some of those patterns are ridiculous so That's fun, you just have to be ready to know how to do all those things and to speak about your coffee you know and they have the video submission for the buy-in i like it yeah, that sounds actually really entertaining. I was Lem explained it really well, and I wasn't filming him while he did it because he was emceeing. Okay, or there were a few MCs, but he was one of them, and we were both like, "Man, where was this when we were just in it?" I was like, "I would much rather have done this Me than too. the SCA competition. Way more fun for sure. It's just so much more engaging. There's yep. so much more crowd involvement. It's so I don't know. I like it. It's like." It's structured, but it's less, I don't know. Totally. It's more wide open. Right. It, it's a rounded competition. And the uh, the interaction between the judges and the, it's not as stiff. Yeah. How do as, the judges work? Is it just kind of. They're just kind of floating around. Right. But you can talk to them. And yeah. And you can be casual with them. There's no like table that separates you from them. Okay. So you're. It seems just from watching it, obviously I don't know what it feels like to compete in it, but it seems like there's less distance between the competitor and the judge. Okay. It just seems a lot more casual and relaxed yeah. in that sense. And obviously the people are still pros, like there's some really talented people. So it's not a casual competition in that, oh yeah, it's easy, but it's it's casual and it it almost feels more like a coffee shop. Which is the I best guess. feeling. Yeah. Which yeah. is a cooler feeling. I don't know. It was it was pretty sick. And you, that's in NYC, right? You were in the New York proper or yeah. Manhattan, I guess. Yeah, but there's competitors from all over the world and people judging it from all over. Like, it's funny. You have like Dan Streetman, who okay. he's been judging for SCA for a long time, is judging it. And then um, Anne, who owns Kopi Coffee. She's one of the judges. Sick. There's all, all kinds of people. Yeah, because it's a worldwide, it's an international competition. Yeah, there's people from all over the place. So it's sick, dude. It's super tight. And 
I still didn't work on one, but they use the San Remo yep. machines, which look awesome. I don't know how they are. I've heard varying things about them, but they just look like nothing else. They yeah, look kind of creepy and weird, but pff, coffee masters. I'm like kind of bummed that I'm not into competing anymore. Cause that's one that actually sounds like I'd want to do it. I would want to do it just starting I mean, from the beginning. Like the beginning is literally a video best. submission. Right. It's like, it's like, I feel like it was freaking made for people like us. Yeah. You were so <laughs> we're just too late. <laughs> it's not, for not too, too late. late, but KFC started when he was 60 years old. Plus, <sighs> yeah, and they Colonel, do chickens right. They do chicken right. <laughs> okay, so don't even try to tell <laughs> him man, otherwise. You don't do chicken right, bro. It's on the commercial. And then they had a fifth floor. Oh, five which floors. Which was well, it's New York. It was like one, two, and then five. Yeah. Oh, they skipped a couple. They skipped a couple. There was like a lab. There's so no thirteen anyway. No, ever on any building. Yeah. But someone's on the thirteenth floor. It so just says fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> so have fun with that. Don't stay on the fourteenth floor either. <laughs> oh snap! Oh shoot! Um. Yeah, Heather Perry did a lecture. The Onyx crew did lectures. Dylan and Andrea just talking about different kinds of stuff. Right. Heather had a cool uh, lecture based around bringing some of the culinary aspect to coffee, but in a different way than just telling people about farms and origin. And her theory is about involving people. Right. So we talked about it a little bit to where in Clatch they have... And Heather, I'm sorry if I'm explaining this wrong, but this is just from memory. I'm not sorry because I wasn't there. Jared's Jared's not <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Sad. Different categories for flavorings or syrups. So let's say you have a spice category, a sweet category. Mm. Within those categories, you have different things. Maybe in the spice, you have cardamom, you know, pink pepper, clove, like sweet category. You have, yeah. You have things like citrus, vanilla, whatever. And allowing people to kind of curate their own latte or cappuccino instead of doing a seasonal flavor. So you come in and be like, could I get a spicy sweet latte? And then, or would it be like, uh, could I get a pink peppercorn pumpkin latte? Right. I want a cardamom vanilla latte and you have this menu. So I'm, you know, you've got three or four categories with several things on them each and allows the customer to kind of just mix and match whatever they want that day. And that's their way of bringing the customer closer to the product yeah closer to the experience of the product without being like this is grown at 1900 meters arnulfo leguizamo and they're like what the blah, fuck blah, dude blah. i don't know what you're talking yeah. about who's arnulfo because when she first told me what she was doing about culinary i'm like people don't want to hear that shit and she's like no it's not what you think it's different yeah and i was like oh that's actually a really interesting perspective on it and it's kind of her way of drawing people into process. Right. And she used the analogy of like going to going to a bar or like interacting with a bartender. There's all this crazy ingredient going on and mm-hmm. you, you're kind of choosing your own adventure with what drink you want and having this conversation. It's right. not like because it's intimidating for people to talk about coffee, coffee, but they're like, Oh man, I'm in the mood for something that's like kind of sweet, but not too sweet. And I'm, you know, yeah. I feel Christmassy and totally like letting them get into it. Well, I like picture the, one of the things that comes to mind is like, I don't know if it's Korean barbecue, but you know, you went to, you go to these places and it's kind of like the line you get in line and they cook it for you. Right. So you grab your meat and you oh, grab a thing and yeah. you grab all your sauces. And is it Mongolian? Maybe maybe Mongolian barbecue. Yeah. With the big and then circle. The, yeah, yeah. And then they fry it all for you. But kind of in the same way, you're like, okay, I want a little of this and a little of that and yeah. this. And then this is my curated flavor for me and my bowl. And then they cook it and they talk about what's in it with you while they're cooking it. And they're like, oh yeah, I really like 
I just that was what came to my mind, and I actually really liked going to those partially because they're all you can eat, but because you can. <laughs> but it's the I'm idea of curating your own taste. Yeah, because like. In a non-intimidating way. Non-intimidating you, you way. You don't have to know anything about the no. sprouts or the beef. Or no. You're like, I like that. I'm going to have a little garlic sauce, yeah. a little spicy chili, a little kung pao, and whatever. It was awesome. But that I think that's actually a really captivating idea. I thought so, too. Good on you, Heather. Because, yeah. And like part, usual. Part of her... Th- yeah, Heather's fucking amazing. Yeah. She's so deep. We, went, we had dinner together, and I... We talked for like 45 minutes. Yeah, I, I would hang out with Heather every day if I could. Yeah, she's too bad. She's such an awesome businesswoman with nine she, kids. She's ridiculous. <laughs> I got to hang out with Ryan, her husband, too. It was, he's rad, too. He's dude. super cool. They're yeah. great people. We talked about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Oh, he for probably like has half so hour. much Bitcoin. He's, yeah. he's in the game. He, he's explained it in a really, really neat way, really easy to understand way. Because I'm like, what the fuck is blockchain, dude? Can somebody tell me? I have no idea what you're talking about. What but she, I mean, she was also talking about automation, this idea, which I had never really thought about in the context of she's thinking about, which is we, we talk a lot about making espresso easy, right? And right. staying true to workflows and recipes because it's not that hard, which she agrees with. But she's also feeling that like as a barista, people almost feel or can have the tendency to feel like their work is menial or remedial right. because repetition because it's just thing. it's a lot of repetition yeah. and how can I actually make a difference? So pivoting from this is your prime time focus to you know, let's figure out some ways to automate the process a little bit more to remove you even further. And then again, engage with the customer, Mm. which is something that a lot of people have talked about. I just like her take on engaging in the customer in a different way that doesn't strictly revolve around origin of coffee. Totally. I was just thinking about the idea of feeling like your tasks are remedial and, and there's tons of repetition. But the picture that I had the whole time you were saying that is the guy at our Michelin star meal in Australia that we watched for five hours making souffle make souffle. And he was just doing one thing and he was just for literally it. hours. It, we were there for five hours yeah. literally. And he did not stop. We left at midnight and he was still finishing up a few more. And that's all he did. Repetition one night, one thing. So it's just, and he's on like a, one, the highest level of, of cooking in the world amongst so i mean just don't let that don't let that hold you back people who like repetition is part of mastery and practice is part of repetition and that's essentially what you're doing you're practicing to get better at something well i think the the key to that is connecting the chain to where in my mind that guy who's making souffle could be as passionate as he wants to be about food right but if he's not passionate about the person who's eating that food yep he's not going to be putting up with that five hour shit for very long dude probably 20 hours but yeah to where you know you there's a certain amount of energy you get from like i love making coffee just yeah. by itself and i would make it for myself all the time but i get this certain energy from giving it to people right, and sharing it with people. And if I didn't have that, there's no way I could pull espresso all day yeah, or would I even want to. Right. And it's something that's, you know, it's like this double-edged thing. So some of it's customer service focused, but a lot, honestly, a lot of it's selfish too, to where I get like this energy rush and energy out of serving things to people. And yeah. I think that that's cool. So I think you need to have like that, that double Dutch. Yeah. 
I wonder if there's something to because he was behind the window, right? You could watch him. It's like he's on stage yeah. all day long, making sure there's not a bubble in that souffle. Yeah. Oh, he knows people are watching him. I remember just thinking the joke was so funny. Remember our server? You have one more course. I'm not going to tell you what it is. And we've it's like been we've been watching the, the guy. It's like the only thing we haven't been served. We were watching him for five hours. I'm like, I bet it's that guy. Bro, is it the guy through the window? <laughs> is it the guy who we right haven't had that us <laughs> making whatever those souffles are? Because I haven't had a souffle yet. <laughs> hello there we had also had like nine mini glasses of wine by the 12 mini glasses of wine by that point so it was so funny that dinner was ridiculous dude (laughs) tom handyside's the best guys that whole crew is ridiculous la marzocco rules so sick (laughs) they're the best people ever i don't even understand but but yeah i i just it's interesting perspectives yeah because it's almost i don't know there's the it's in that automation camp, but it's splitting it out into a different way. Yeah. So I, I just always appreciated Heather's ability to ask why and to dive deeper. And she never just like it was never good enough. There was always improvement and every single conversation we have always has to do a little bit with asking questions and gaining knowledge from both perspectives. Mm-hmm. And then it's in it's such a really healthy, just like I'm feeling about this and we're doing this. What do you do about this and that? And it's so perf- I just love people like that, and she just amps me up every time. It's funny because because she's so good at analyzing, and she, because she's so good at asking questions and taking in information, she she becomes. I mean, she always has been a trendsetter. Yep. You know, she's not taking that information to copy it. She's taking that information to add to Arsenal, and then she comes up with new crazy ideas yep. all the time. Her version and like that takes her snippets from that and makes mm-hmm. it better for her in her application. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my favorite kind of person. Yeah, me I want too. like a hundred thousand of those people surrounding me at all times. I know. I want my own Heather Perry. Yeah. Hey Heather, <laughs> Heather, you want to quit your gerb? How about cloning? <laughs> How's Mike Perry treating you these days? Huh? What's Dad doing? <laughs> yeah. What can we offer you that what he can't? What can we offer you? Besides life, which and he started. Panama Geisha. <laughs> Panama Geisha, we can't do that either. $55 a cup. They're selling one right now. I, I saw yeah. that on the net. Yeah, we had some of that. Was it delicious? Had some Geisha. Like usual? Brewed on the brewer. It's it's great coffee. Yeah. Classic Geisha. Classic $55 baller. Baller. Ballin. Uh. But yeah, the show, I mean, show is, the show is cool. New I York's wish something cool. like that would happen on the West Coast. I wish New York was San Francisco. I wish New York was San Francisco, too. It's way cooler than San Francisco. Like, <laughs> yeah, sorry, San Francisco. It's like next level. Like, I got my homies in the city, dude, and I got, I got some love for the Bay, obviously. But, oh, goodness gracious. The food scene's probably better in, in San Francisco, and I was talking to Withers about this because the produce is better. Yeah, and, that's fair. Yeah, there's a lot more fresh agriculture available here. So you're talking about the Bay Area, North Bay, but as, as a city, like get real. It's <laughs> they're not even close. If it's so funny that the city's so much larger, but it has a more homey feeling. Yeah, it feels like I felt way more comfortable in New York, and I felt that the last time I went too. That even though the buildings are like three times as tall and it's just it's just bigger, I feel more comfortable walking around. That's so I, you interesting. You get off the subway and you're like, "Cool, I'm in a neighborhood, and that's fine." And I know there's neighborhoods in San Francisco, but I don't know. It's way more vibey for me. I, I like it a lot more. Cool. It's it's sick. We gotta am, go for I'm like a TBD week. TBD to yeah. be determined. We, we gotta get been. out there. And there's a lot of coffee going on, a lot of Australian influence, a lot of. A lot of everything. 
just cultural mecca. It's a cultural mecca. <laughs> and geez, the subway, dude, I love it. The subway. I can't. Did you see it. any subway performers in the cars getting cray? I didn't see him. I saw some last time. Okay, but we didn't see him this no, like time. Back flippers or anything. We crazy, didn't like see pole any dancers. I was hoping we would have seen I some know, of that. Dude, some like hats on the toes and the ninja kicks and all that stuff. Nick so attempted to do some of that and he yeah. like fell down the pole in the subway at like yeah. 1 30 mm-hmm. in the morning. Nice try, Nick. <laughs> nice try. <Nick. laughs> he did get us safely home though. <laughs> I was like very appreciative of He's that. Like, I'm trying to pick up a couple extra bucks here. <laughs> he did parkour off the top of a building. I love parkour. So the, the questions are, are popping off and the talk well, about the coffee masters actually kind of bleeds into this first question. Gosh, Chris, could you read it for me? I could do that for you, buddy. Hey, Chris okay. and Jared. My name is Austin. I'm the barista trainer for a small shop roaster operation in North Texas. We've been around for three years. It's December, and we're right. Right? Right? He didn't actually say that. I said, right, 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 right. Yeah. We're really having a good time, man. We focus on direct trade. It's been a huge deal for us, working directly with farms to empower them, give Boom. them a fair price. We as a shop are not part of the SCA, and that's what I wanted to ask about. Dun, dun, dun. In 2016, we competed in the SCA Barista, Brewers Cup, Cup Tasters, and Roasters Comp at the regional level in Austin. Out of those competitions, we only advanced to nationals in Brewers Cup, and then only because we used a $50 a pound coffee. This was also a geisha from Colo. We didn't know how to play the game. We watched on the video, had seen some competitions in person. It didn't help. I truly believe that we had some amazing baristas that day, and I believe we should have done better. We were counted off on technicalities and speech performance. His question is, is the SCA too exclusive? Who wins if the judging is in more on the theatricality slash technicality of a barista than the taste of the coffee and the knowledge shared? Staying stoked in the Lone Star State, Austin. Sick. There's levels to this stuff, too. The first level is these competitions are not for the faint at heart, and there is a lead up. And I think that there, you guys probably have really awesome tasting coffee, and you probably do have really awesome baristas. And there are a lot of those people represented throughout the weekend. And I know for myself and Jared included, we felt really confident the first time we got in the mix. So we're just, we're like, yeah, dude, we know a lot of stuff and we're doing really well. And the coffee's really good. And it was a shocker when we weren't as amazing as we thought we were. So (laughs) I got last place. I had a great performance. Just trust me. That's all you need to know. We've probably talked about it in one of our previous episodes. I know we have. Go back to one of our 100 plus episodes. You can find it. (laughs) Catcloud.com. And the thing that you need to realize is that when you're talking about advancing and representing basically the entire industry, everybody at that level has really good coffee. Everybody has really skilled baristas. There's a lot of really skilled baristas there. And being counted off on technicalities and speech performance, when you're at the upper echelon of what you're doing, the difference between winning and not winning really is splitting hairs. It is. And you have to nail everything to 10 tenths. So so maybe, you know, who wins if the judging is more on theatricality, technicality than the taste of the coffee? I don't think that it is. Taste is heavily weighted. Yeah. But you just have to assume that everybody else's coffee tasted as good as yours. Or to the score sheet better than yours. Right. Right. Because that's part of it is like you might like, I remember this happened to me. 
I remember not understanding the score sheets fully that year. Pete Licata won the regionals and I got whatever you got second or third and I got fifth. I thought both of our coffees tasted better and they might have, but they didn't taste better according to the score sheets. Oh yeah. I had his coffee. I was like, this is fucking horrible. Yeah, it's boring. Yeah. I, I was like, this is like boring coffee. Yeah. But he knew what he was doing. Yep. And he <laughs> got his points and he won by a large margin. And so that's part of it is like your opinion is still valid, but it doesn't necessarily mean it fits in this context of the competition. And the other thing is, I don't know if the SCA is too exclusive. We've talked about this in the past too, where you know some people are at a disadvantage because of access to training or have l- less experience or have less money to spend on you know, just the hours required training or good coffees. It seems like you have pretty fancy coffee though. Um, but I wouldn't let it discourage you. I would just come back. It's kind of insane to think that you would be in the winning circle in your first attempt. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't not to knock what you're doing, but that's just not normal. If you look at the, you know, take the top six in the nation, it's, there's a lot of people who have done this many times before and it's really hard for the new underdog person to come in and just dominate. That rarely happens. Experience is hard to get past. And does that happen in any industry? Probably not. Not necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I mean, every once rookie, in a while. Yeah, the rookie can be like amongst the top, but they almost never come in rookie season and take it all. Yeah, because they're not peaking yet. Yeah, you know what I mean. And you're probably not peaking yet either. So I wouldn't let it bum you out. But I would just recognize that if you got knocked for, you know, technicalities and speech performance, those are areas that you need to work on for next time while keeping the coffee of quality as high as you possibly can and play into that whole thing to have total package. Yeah, I would I would take all of that feedback and sit on it and internalize it and, you know, have your frustrations with it, but then honestly take it seriously and and start reworking <clears throat> for next year what you're going to do. Maybe not literally now. Take a break. But, I mean, I heard this about somebody who wanted to write a book. They they wrote a, a big old book. Everybody that they knew said it was awesome. They sent it to an agent. The agent said, this is like needs a ton of work if you're ever going to write a book. And then they sent him back a bunch of notes. And the person was heartbroken. And then they sat with it. And then they worked all the notes in. And it was like this huge, long process until they actually got to be published. And that's kind of the same thing. Like you're going to probably next year do all the things that these people said and you'll hopefully move up positions. You'll get a better placing. Maybe you'll make the finals. Maybe you won't, but hopefully you improve and then you'll get more notes next year. It happened to me. It happened to Chris every year. What you've experienced is the beginning of something, not the end of something. Yeah. It's your job to take it and get better. Getting better all the time. Hey, holders of positive vibes. That's me. I've been a dedicated listener to the podcast for about a year now. I have no clue. That's Y'all you. have no clue how <laughs> much you've helped me grow. Wow. Thank you. After being in my current shop for about a year, the position of shop trainer has come my way. I'm super humbled. It's igniting a fire in me to keep growing and pursuing what I love. Fuego. As a young guy in my early 20s, I'm thankful for this job. I want to show those around me that I can lead them with transparency and maturity. That's awesome. I am almost through my first two trainees and I've noticed the same problem with both of them. Workflow. They can make tasty espresso, steam decent milk, and have a solid understanding of our shop and how we operate. I'm choosing to see this as a flaw in my training, not just a coincidence. How do you define workflow? How does the barista workflow look like a cat in a cloud? I know the workflow can vary from person to person, but if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. 
The only way I know how to teach people is to show them what works for me and what I've been taught over the years. Thanks for your time and keep up the great work. Issue of standards, right? Yeah, go go in. I have yeah. thoughts too. Okay, so uh, I know Chris is probably going to touch on this as well, but there actually shouldn't be more different. Everybody shouldn't have their own workflow at all if you really want to streamline your workflow in a company. And somebody must have taught you how to work your bar and there should be some sort of semi-standardized workflow. If you are the trainer and you're the sole trainer of the company and arguably your workflow is the best, everybody needs to actually do things exactly how you do it. And that needs to be the standard of your company or else you're going to continue to see this issue over and over and over again. Um, I think workflow just like a recipe is, should be the exact same every time. It should be robotic. It should be something that you don't have to think about. To me, it's not a non-factor, but it's a factor where you train it, you train it well, and then it, it becomes a non-factor. Like it's something you don't talk about anymore. You just put it in your backpack and like take yeah. it with you wherever yeah, like, you go. This is how I make coffee. Yeah, I agree. I have to commend you for having the attitude that you do, which as a trainer, looking at yourself and not looking at your trainees and being like, well, they don't get it and they suck because of it is a really good attitude to have and start, start there. I agree with everything that Jared just says. It will be beneficial for your shop in every way to standardize workflow. And I think what you can do to do that is start focusing on some tangible examples. So what exactly in your workflow is not working? What is not clicking? Because workflow is a really, really broad term. So I'd spend a little bit of time auditing this. Is there wasted time? in between like with like dosing and redistribution or is it workflow of shots coming out of the shot pullers realm ending up into the milk steamers realm is it a service thing are there backups and then focus on fixing those problems and by looking at the problem specifically and systematizing it you can actually maybe improve your own workflow because like you said you know you know what works for you you might be able to improve upon what works for you by looking at it just kind of analytically but yeah, make it standard. Make it standard, then it's easier on everybody else moving forward and your shop will be better for it. It's just easier to have everybody being held accountable that way. This is from DZ McNeezy. Nice, dude. Good name. Lots of love over here in Toronto. Love the podcast. Often listen to it doing my commute to work. It's Drake. refreshing to hear other people's talks back about Kendrick. <laughs> He loves Drake. I wanted to ask a quick question regarding Chris's video about his Bonavita dripper. I have one as well. I think it may be the newer version, but I think they work similarly. I remember Chris saying he usually brews at a 1 to 15 ratio on the Bonavita to get the right extraction. I wanted to know if you could elaborate on that a bit. I am typically using a 1 to 16 with most of my filter coffee methods, but with dumbing with my dumb little home grinder, I can't seem to get the lower TDS pass. Can't seem to lower the TDS post 1.56. Ideally, I'm aiming for more of a 1.4 to 1.5. I have a refractometer for work, not one of those crazy home brewers. I think as I grind coarser, it just starts sucking balls instead of working <laughs> properly. <laughs> that's what he said. That's what he said, and that's hilarious. Should I consider dropping the brew ratio to lower extraction and take a hit on it being too strong? Is there a similar reason to why you went that direction? Love to hear any thoughts. Doesn't matter to me whether you email, answer on the hot, tasty pod, or not even have an answer at all. I have a little self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> this person's awesome. This guy's rad. Toronto keeps it real. Don't worry about the 1 to 15. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. if you want to get 
your strength lower, if you want to lower your TDS, you're going to need to up the brew ratio. I do. I did one. I actually got rid of the Bonavita, but I did one to 15 because I had a hard time with it extracting. It just, it had a lot of uneven pockets to me. So it's for when I put a lot of coffee, I need to put more coffee in there than I actually wanted to because of the extraction I was getting. And also at home, I'm actually brewing a little bit heavier coffee to be completely honest at the cafe. We're in that one to 16, one to 16 and a half. Yeah. Um, so your one to 16 is normal. And honestly, any recommendation that you hear from us or on a video or anybody, you need to think about it as a starting point. It's, you know, start here and adjust. So if I, if you were trying to dial in your brew ratio, try them all one to 15, one to 16, one to 17. Think about your brew ratio as adjusting your strength slider, get it to wherever you want it because yeah, you don't want to go overly, overly coarse because then you're definitely going to be under extracting, especially with like a more aggressive brew ratio. Did he say what grinder he has? Uh, he didn't. Sounds like your grinder might have something to do with this. It might. He said it is a home grinder. There are a lot of those. There's the Whirly Bird, etc. I'm assuming he has a burr grinder only because he also has a refractometer and works <laughs> at a coffee make, shop. That would make sense. So I'm assuming and he's only getting it to 1.56. I mean, he, he yeah, he can't get it to go lower than that, which yeah, you need to. Wait, doesn't he want it closer to one? He want, no, he wants to get it down to 1.4. One, 1.4, four. One, four, one, well, okay. 1.4, one, so. one, I mean, up the brew ratio. Yeah, that's what I would do. Pump more water you through it. You have to it. get it, right? Lower the coffee. Go 1 to 16 and a half. Go 1 to 17. Pump it out. It just depends. Reverse en- The way to go with brew ratios is reverse engineering them because you understand how a refractometer works. So I'm also going to assume that you understand how flavor works. Like you have a pretty good idea of what good coffee tastes like. I mean, couldn't you go a little finer too? Finer? Isn't that, does he want more out of it? He wants a he wants lower less. TDS. Oh, he wants less out of so it. If so he he goes, go he'd have to go coarser. Too. But then remember, it tastes like balls. Right. Coarser tastes like balls. Want it to taste like balls. Okay. <laughs> Trust me. You don't Trust want me. your coffee to taste like right. balls. He said that. I yeah. forgot he said about the balls. <laughs> yeah. Forgot about the balls. I mean, I didn't forget about the balls statement. Very funny. So I would just go, I would reverse engineer it. I mean, brew it, taste it, and go from there. You know? Don't try to make a taste fit a recipe. Try to make a recipe fit a taste. Yeah, you're going to make it taste good to you. Yeah, you got the end goal in mind. And if your end goal in mind and you say you want to get your TDS to 1.4 and you know the flavor profile you want and that takes a 1 to 17 for your coffee at your house with your water, 1 to 17 all day. All day. I mean, there's a range, you know. My favorite range is in that 1 to 15 to 1 to 17 for brewing. I don't usually break out about that past that but i'm I mean, there with you i mean if you if, if you're brewing dark roast some people brew like one to 18 one to 19 right if you're getting like a ton of solubility because the roast is so dark totally so i mean if you need more salt on your steak put more salt on your steak that's a really great way to think <laughs> about it forward dude i need my steak saltier but yeah, i already but put the recipe said th- half an ounce i already put three shakes on it yeah half an ounce of salt you did so what do I yeah. what would you say it's not salty enough for me but I don't do want to break the rules here. how yeah. does it work it works great does it work great okay. yeah I feel great should we, do we have one time more for question? one more question man 
We have this. I have this funny thing um, called life. But I, <laughs> <laughs> no. You got that too? Yeah, dude. No, yeah. actually, I was gonna say there's. Um, I've been dealing with. That I was gonna for a shout while. out actually the tribe life really quick because Brittany and I were on a parenting podcast called the Tribe Life, and some of you have asked about like my wife and I's um, story up through starting Cat and Cloud. And we go kind of in depth in that. And it's our good friend, Pat Barber and his wife, Taz Barber, who crush. So it's kind of like a shameless side promotion. But um, we also sponsor that podcast, the Cat and Cloud podcast. Cat and Cloud Company sponsors that podcast. And it's been really cool. So anyways, if you ever want to check it out, Tribe Life podcast. Hear about Brittany and I and why we want to do weird stuff. Tribe Life. Tribe Life for the parents out there. I was actually just killing time while you pulled out the last question. I don't even know what the last question is. I, okay. Is it love to love to love ya? Timberland and Magoo? Here's the deal, everybody. We love you. But you can't write us any more questions about, <laughs> I work in another career. I want to work in coffee. What do I do? Yeah, yeah. We, we get like a bajillion of them, and, and we actually do love you. We need to figure out... Uh, They're like 27 paragraphs, a lot of these things. And it's just like a long story. Which... And it's awesome. Yeah. But it just takes a long time to get through. So what I'm failing on is figuring out the episode where we really talk about that in detail and flagging it in an FAQ. So I'm going to try to commit to that. Wow, and Chris. That's a great commitment. I'm going to try. <laughs> <laughs> I have three rocks that I'm focusing on, and that's not one of them. But I'm going to try. Yeah, I've got some rocks. I'm going to try to do it. Five little stones he took. Everybody wants to know about relocation. Relocation is like a big thing. I mean, here's the deal. Let's just go. I'll go broad. We don't even have to talk about it very much. If you want to, to tr- if you like feel like you need to try something and do it, you should do it. Every podcast, every person, every leader who's older than I am just says, you can always restart. You can always go do something else. So if you feel like you want to do it, sometimes you just have to go for it. And I know that's, I'm not, I don't want to talk too much more in depth about it because it is like a whole episode in and of itself, but you're never too old. And most of the time you're actually younger than you realize in the scheme of your long-term career. So you can go, you can learn, and then you can go do something else if it doesn't work or you succeed in what you're trying to do. Real talk. Here's a sub question. This is part of a bigger question. Um, This person's girlfriend and my girlfriend and I are looking to relocate within the next year. This is a roaster. Passionate about roasting. It would be very difficult for me to accept a job where I cannot roast coffee. I'm very interested in starting my own operation, but that's years away. Do you have advice on reaching out to roasters about potential opportunities? I've received a few awards from Golden Bean and Coffee Review. Do I try to use those to sell myself? Do I make the trip personally to meet potential employees? I hope this isn't too long. I think that's a pretty legit question that a lot of people have. I, I think you can use your accolades to sell yourself, but I would actually encourage connecting on a deeper level with the people that you're trying to get in with. So for someone like us, you could come with all the awards in the world and it wouldn't matter to us at all. Not at all. Because we're looking for a cultural fit and people who believe in what we believe. It's also going to be very, very hard to land a job as a roaster because there's not a lot of roasting positions available. They don't come up that often. And generally, unless this is unless you're incredibly well-known... 
i.e. you're someone like Tonks or, right, you I know, guess. like insert if like even if even. Yeah. I mean, we could never hire someone just off name no matter what, but a lot of people would. Yeah, probably. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're Tony and you want to get a job somewhere, you probably can. Right. In I the guess same like Gabe Biscana, he like could crush around because he was so good. Yeah, or like the same way in the barista sphere. Like if you're Mike Phillips and you want to get a job somewhere, you probably can. Right. So <laughs> he did have the world championship under his belt. Right. That was That's helpful. what I'm saying. So unless you're on that level, it's going to be hard. Yeah. But I would just see like where where do you want to be and be willing to work up to it. I, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm just thinking about it and totally it's, I mean, the reality is if you're going to relocate, you don't have necessarily the luxury to be like, we're going to relocate and I'm going to get this and I'm going to get that. Like you're relocating, you're starting over. It was like, it's for me, it's like just the wake up call. Right. And it's, it's something I've just heard people speak about, like being frustrated that they changed their whole life and it's not the exact same as it was where they were. And I'm like, well, but yeah, unfortunately you changed everything. So just part of the reality of this is maybe you'll get one and maybe you won't. There's kind of, it's up to you to go make a relationship somewhere. It's up to you to go show your value to somebody and right. So kind of earn it. What's the most important thing to you? Is it being where you want to be or is it having the roasting job? Right. So if having the roasting job is the most important, then you need to stay where you are. Right. But if being where you want to be is, then you need to go be there and figure out how to make it work from there. Yeah. Because I mean, Chris came to Santa Cruz because he wanted to be in Santa Cruz and he took intro level job at Verve with us yeah, and worked took, his way up to director of business development yeah, like and other things. Pay cut, lower position. It's just right. like, it's where you got to go sometimes. Yeah. I believe in my path here. So if you do, it'll probably all work out and you'll become a roaster again because you're going to continue to work at that. But I just, I struggle with any individual who, and I don't think you're this, so don't get me wrong, but the individuals who go somewhere and just get frustrated that it's not the same, like you're going to be away from your environment. You're changing your whole life and it's going to take all that work and it's totally worth it. I just, yeah, stay positive through it and take the job. If you have to get a job and tell them you really want to be a roaster one day and you have to be a barista you have to crush it as a barista for them to trust you to ever be a roaster. You can't come in and just half-ass your barista job because you need to be a roaster one day. You have to come in and show somebody that you're going to be in before they're going to say, yeah, you deserve to move up or move to another position in our company. It can't be like, a, well, I'm not a barista. I'm a roaster. That's why I'm not good at this. Or I'm, you know, like, I'm not good at customer <laughs> service. You should have hired me I'm as a roaster. Like, you need to own your life a little bit here. And I'm not trying to <laughs> yell at you. You need to own your life. No, you son of- I, mean, I just get passionate about that because it's it just is the means to like your success will be the way you present yourself in whatever place you go. It was like the person who wanted to be our social media manager, um, social media PR and cultural ambassador. Right? Did I tell you about her? No. But I've just, we've gotten so many emails about people like this. Really cool girl. She, I met her somewhere. She lives in Santa Cruz and she came by the roastery when I was roasting. And she's like, Hey, are you, you guys are doing great work. I really like it. Um, I want to pitch you something. I'm looking for, you know, I want to be your, 
your social media manager, your brand ambassador, and you know, really dive into the culture of the company and someone who can carry your culture out. And I was like, oh, well, that's nice that you think that about our culture. Just to let you know, we we promote exclusively from within. So if you ever think you want to do something like that for us, you'll have to submit a resume and everyone gets hired off the same thing and everyone starts at this level and it's working in the cafe. And she's like, well, I make this much now and I don't think I could take that hit for this many years. And I was like, that's cool. But then you don't actually want to be here. Yeah, you actually don't want to be our ambassador. You want to be about you. You want it. You're making it about yourself. You see an opportunity with a quote unquote cool company. And I'm not trying to like, toot our own horn but that's that's what i mean she thinks that or that's she what she thinks yeah. and she's like oh i have like i know these guys because i've seen them before maybe i can get an in here and once you tell someone that that's not how it works they're like "Ooh, well, i can't give up my job at this much money right and that's totally fine like you said that's just a decision that's a decision that you have to make mm-hmm. and it's it's neither right or wrong like what's good for what's good for you right like are you trying to do what's good for you or are you trying to do what's good for the organization but I mean, I would say to answer your question about how to approach people, I would approach people that you feel like you resonate well with. I would yeah. reach out with email, but I would also drop off a resume because I'll tell you from owning a business, people who make an in-person connection and think they have an in with myself because they met me somewhere, I'll tell them, I'm like, if you even think you want to work here, you need to come in and apply because I've got so many things going on that I'm going to forget about you. I'm going to lose a resume if you give it to me personally. I'm not the best best path to go through to get hired. Yeah. You know, you want to go through that retail path, come into the store, like talk to the people who Connect work in the store because you better believe them. We're going to ask all those people like, "Hey, how do you feel about this person when they came in?" Right. So connect on that level and really try to be part of the organization and not just use the organization to get you that roasting job. That's the gold nugget right there. Right? Yeah. yeah. Be a part of whatever you want to be a be part of. Be a part of. of whatever you want to be a part of. So so find the one that you mesh with and then just make it clear that you want to be a part of it. Yeah. Start as a guest and just enjoy your time there even. And I think that people will appreciate that way more. I do. And if they don't, they might be on a weird path and you might not even want to work there anyway. Your interview process begins the moment you walk into anywhere before you've even applied. If the company's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And the that, first time someone even sees you. Mm-hmm. How are you presenting yourself and how are you acting towards whoever you're interacting with is something that I'm paying attention. Even if you're not talking to me, even if you're in our cafe conversing with somebody or on your computer doing homework, when our team goes around and says stuff to you and vice versa, like... It's just how are, how are you holding yourself? That is something that I for sure pay attention to, and so is our leadership team. That's how I judge a lot of character, especially you get into this zone. Like at the coffee festival, you, you know, we do the podcast, we make videos. People kind of know who we are, right? So people come up and they're nice to me, and I'm just how are you to Mark? How are you to Mark? And yeah. that's going to tell me everything I need to know about you and whether I want to collaborate with you in the future or whether I even want to be your friend. And I notice how people are treating Mark and the, the people who treat him well, even though they have no idea who he is and don't even know like at first that they, he works with us. That's like the golden ticket. Cause that's how you treat 99% of people yep. in your life. Yep. Are you just seeking the power play? So are you seeking to be awesome? Be a nice person. It goes real far. It sounds like the end podcast. of the podcast. We'd like to talk to you. I said to our friends. I said to our friends. I don't have any friends. Yeah, well, you have me. 
That's all I need. Bye. <laughs>